0: Good morning again. So, so we're in the last week of this series, Revision. And, and as we went through this series, you know, we've looked at, you know, in the first week we kind of looked at vision or what our vision was, and, and we kind of learned that the heart of every vision was having God at the center of our life. And, and because a lot of us just add God to our life, you know, it's like we've got our work and our family and, and then we've got God. And instead of God being the center of our life like he should be, we put other things at the center of our life. So so we really learned that vision first starts with God being at the center. In week two, we kind of looked at being renewed or or the whole concept of renewing, and we looked at the the scripture how we're the salt of the earth and and how we should never lose our flavor um, and never be able to... Instead of just being tossed on the street because we've lost our flavor, to keep our saltiness about us, to, to keep renewing ourselves through the work of Jesus Christ in our life to affect change in other people's lives. And, and then last week we looked at that spiritual dryness. Each one of us has a time when it's just, it just seems like God's not there. And, and we have this dryness in us that, and we just need this refreshing from the Lord. You know, and as I talked last week, I kind of talked about when you're out there and you you all heated up and, and you get that nice cold glass of water. And as you drink it, it feels like you can just feel it running through your entire body and, and through your veins. And, and, and that's what we need in Jesus. We sometimes in that spiritual dryness, we need to just take that time in his word and dig in and let him refresh us inside where we can feel the Spirit just moving within us, and and giving us that freshness to take us out of the dryness of our life, because only the Lord can take us out of spiritual dryness. And this week, we're going to look at being revived, or revival. And and I think it's interesting, you know, because revival is this church word that, that we hear about a lot, and 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 I know there's times that I feel like I've needed revive myself. And and you know, we talk about I, I want a revival. And, and unfortunately, if you're anything like me, life kind of sucks you dry. You know, your your family, your friends, your co-workers, they kind of suck the life right out of you. Maybe it's your classmates in school, and, and you try and you go through this life and Hey, I'm going to do this, all this for the Lord, and then life kind of happens. And you get to that point of, man, I just need Jesus to revive me. I need revival myself, and I need to change this because life is being sucked out of me because of everything that's happening in the world. And I think one of the things we need to see, and it's interesting when I actually looked it up, revive or revival is actually an Old Testament concept. As much as we talk about it in the New Testament church and, oh, we're going to have a revival, we're going to do a tent revival, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, it's actually an Old Testament thing. Sixteen different times the word revive is used in the Bible. Fourteen of those were actually in the Old Testament. Fourteen different times in the Old Testament. And I think it's neat because, you know, we, we talk about the world needs revival and the church needs revival. But I think what we seem to forget is revival starts with you. It starts with each one of us as an individual. It starts, believe it or not, revival starts in each of our hearts. That's where revival has to start. It has to start in our individual hearts, and it grows from there. And when you really look at revival, revival serves as a time for us to challenge our own walk with Jesus, or our own walk with Him. And it's this time to renew our desire for Him, because that's basically what you do in a revival. As you come together and you have these tent revivals or whatever it is, it's about focusing on Him and renewing your own desires for Him. But we get so caught up in what we think it is compared to what it really is. So I want to take some time today and And as we look at revival in the Bible, actually see what we can learn from it about our own lives. So if you have your Bible with you, we're going to be in Psalm number 85. If you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry. There's one in the back of the pew. And as always, it will be up here on the screen. But we're going to be in Psalm 85, verses 1 through 13. And it says this, Lord, you showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave your people's guilt. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your fury. You turned from your burning anger. Return to us, God of our salvation, and abandon your displeasure with us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger for all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your faithful love, Lord, and give us your salvation. I will listen to what God will say. Surely the Lord will declare peace to his people, his faithful ones, and not let them go back to foolish ways. His salvation is very near those who fear him, so that the glory, so that glory may dwell in our land. Faithful love and truth will join together. Righteousness and peace will embrace. Truth will spring up from the earth, and righteousness will look down from heaven. Also, the Lord will provide what is good, and our land will yield its crops. Righteousness will go before him to prepare the ways of his steps. So, Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word today, Lord, as we look at this whole concept of of being revived or having a revival, may, may we truly see what you want us to see. Lord, may my words be your words, may your name be glorified, and may our hearts receive what it is you have for us today. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this verse, the psalmist actually asks a bunch of questions to God. And, and there's different debate on who actually wrote this psalm. Some people think it's King David um, with the, everything they were dealing with with the Philistines. And then others feel it was written post-exile after they came out of Babylonian captivity, and the psalmist was looking to be renewed or looking for something from the past, something that the psalmist had seen before. And, you know, we can't be for certain, but the one thing we are certain about is the psalmist is looking to a time that used to be. It's looking to a time when people worshiped the Lord, when, when people's hearts were right with the Lord, And when they actually came to do and put Jesus, well, put God, number one, their life at the time. And there's no doubt that God will ever send a revival again. We know we will see revival. But I think ultimately we need to desire it first. It comes down to each one of us having to desire it in our heart. And unfortunately, today, I think many people don't actually desire revival. I think many people say, oh, I want to see a revival, but think someone else is going to do it. Well, I want to see revival, but I don't have time, let everyone else do it. Oh, I've done my share, but I want to see the past come back again. But, but it comes to each of us doing what we're called to do. And it's a, in a book I was reading, it's called The, the Secret of Christian Joy. Vance Havner actually said this. The greatest need of America is an old-fashioned, heaven-born, God-sent revival. Throughout the history of the church, when clouds have hung lowest, when sin has seemed blackest and faith has been weakest, there have always been a faithful few who have not sold out to the devil, nor bowed a knee to Baal, who have feared the Lord and Thought upon his name and have not forsaken the assembly of themselves together, these have besought the Lord to revive his work in the midst of the years, and in the midst of the fears and tears, and in the wrath to remember mercy. God has always answered such supplication, filling each heart with love, rekindling each soul with fire from above. Now I desire that kind of revival. I desire revival for the church. Not only this church, but the church of Jesus Christ. That that we would look past denominational lines and and that we would actually be the church he calls us to be. That we would be of one accord. That we would be all about Jesus and, and all about telling people about my Jesus. But unfortunately, you know, Satan is really loving the fact that even as the church of Jesus Christ, we're divided. We're divided within denominations. We're divided within actual churches themselves. You you see division because some people worry about what Jesus wants. Other people worry about what they want themselves. And and, and as we go through life, it it gets worse and worse. And, oh, well, I'm sorry, but we're Baptists, so we can't do anything with the Lutherans. Oh, we definitely can't do nothing with the Pentecostals. They're way out there. But yet we're we're all going to be in heaven together. But yet here on earth we'll actually divide ourselves. And and I would love to see a revival in the church. Not just this church, but every church. And and I'm not talking about, you know, people come in and and we put a tent up outside and people come and, and you have different preachers preaching and people walk away. Man, that was so good. And that's it. Man, that was some good preaching. See y'all next week. Because unfortunately, that's what a lot of people think revival is. Hey, would you go and put a tent out in the parking lot? We're going to bring all these people in. We're going to bring preachers in. And we didn't win one soul to Jesus. We didn't get anyone new in the church. Guess what? It's not about that. It's about people coming to know Jesus. It's about actually comes back to us knowing Jesus and wanting to be a part of what he's doing in our lives. It's so much bigger than that when it comes down to It's an individual thing. And understand, we can't make it happen. We cannot make a revival happen. The only one that can make a revival happen is the Lord. And today I want to kind of look at some aspects that are inside this scripture that the psalmist writes about to see what it is to have true revival. And I think the first thing you see is this psalmist spent time in prayer. And Way back in December, I started talking about as they renew the town and as they, they kind of revive the town and all this stuff. I, what was the first thing I said? We need to what? Pray. Pray and get our hearts right. So I hope you've actually been doing that since December. And then it was, what else can we do? Well, pray some more. Pray that God would not only revive this town, but revive the church of Jesus that that we could have a revival inside his church, so I hope you're not waiting to say, "Oh man, that's right." Pastor started talking about this in December, and I haven't prayed yet. See, so you should have been praying back then. As we continue to move forward, and we're going to continue to pray as we go forward, as God moves, not only in this church, but in this town, in this community, and in this county, and eventually into the state and into the world. But but we got to continue to do it. And, And we need to remember that even here as the psalmist spent this time praying, he was in this time of spiritual dryness, like we talked about last week. So he was in this dryness and he was praying that God would revive him out of it, that God would bring back this joy that people had in the Lord and that they would worship him with the whole heart. But to get a revival... It has to come with a desire. Because ultimately revival will never come if no one desires it. So it comes down to each individual wanting to desire that. And we can't expect to enter a service and say, Well, I'm here. Let's have a revival. It's not going to happen. That's just like coming in on a Sunday and saying, I'm here. Let's do church. You know, it starts before you ever get here. It goes throughout the week. And as you all have heard me talk before, it's not about, oh, well, I didn't do my hour and 15 minutes, and I'm going to go do the rest of the time, live the life I want to live it. It's more than that. When you come into the Father's house, this is His house. We should come in prepared to worship Him. Not just, okay, I'm here, let's do this. Is it time to go yet? Man, pastor's going long. Uh, pastor, uh, you, you see the time? Prepare yourself when you come in. and It all starts with that prayer. Taking that time in prayer and everything that we do. Uh, Hosea 10, 12 actually says this. So righteousness for yourselves and reap faithful love. Break up your unplowed ground. <clears throat> it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and sends righteousness on you like rain. When we seek the Lord now, we need to earnestly seek him so that he provides. And that righteousness coming down like rain upon us. I think it's interesting for the last couple years, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, every place you go, I've seen this next set of scripture, and I'm going to read it first. Second Chronicles 7.14 And my people who bear my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Keep that up there for me. Can you put that scripture back up? So I think it's interesting that as you read this scripture, and we've heard it a lot. We've heard, you know, they devoted them, uh, not that one. We've heard that if, this, if my people who bear my name Humble themselves. Oh, I didn't do a slide for that, didn't I? Okay, that's why it ain't back up. Um, Basically, when you look at this, God's talking about He will forgive their sins and He'll heal the land. How many people here want to have their sins forgiven and heal the land? We've seen it a lot, right? We see the scripture a lot, but what happened to the be humble? If my people will humble themselves, see, there's consequence. There's things that we need to do in order to. To see what God wants to do. He wants us to humble ourselves. He wants us to earnestly pray. And he wants us to have this clean heart. But God, can't you just heal our land? God, have you seen what's going on in our land? Can't you just heal it? Well, see, we miss that first part. And that first part comes down to that individual. It's that heart issue. The same thing with a, a revival, it's this heart issue. you got to want it. You've got to desire it. And if you truly want God to heal the land, what do we have to do? We need to humble ourselves. We need to pray. We need to seek him with a clean heart. That's what we've got to do. The same thing, if we want a revival, we need to have that clean heart. We need to ask God to come in and revive us first. Revive us. Take that sin out of our life. Get that forgiveness and move forward. Have him revive you from the inside out so that you can continue to move on. But it all starts with prayer. You've got to take that time with him in prayer in everything you do. I think the next thing you you look at this psalmist and, and the psalmist desires to be revived again. It's kind of like they're desiring that passion. They want that passion back inside their life. And, and in order to be asking for something that they used to have, they must have had it before. So they must have been revived in the past or they've seen this nation, where they've seen a revival where everyone just came together. And likely this psalmist remembers a time when the nation of Israel was flourishing, when their crops were full, People were steady going into the temple, seeing the sacrifices to the Lord, seeing people praising the Lord, just everything about it being for the Lord. So he had to have seen it in the past to want it again. And I'm sure everyone in this room at some point has seen it before, that they've seen a congregation seeking the Lord. They've seen him a congregation worshiping the Lord. They've seen a congregation looking to do whatever they could do for the Lord and helping others, doing what he called them to do. But then somewhere along the line, it stops. And and we keep looking back and saying, I wish I could have it, but we're not doing anything to get it. We're not taking that time in prayer. We're not taking that passion to, to live our life for the Lord. And if you actually look at what revive means, it actually means to live and to have life, to remain alive and to sustain life, to be quickened from sickness, discouragement, faithness, faintness or death, to be restored to life or health, to cause to grow. So as you look at revival and you think of revival, you, you automatically would be thinking, well, it has to do with this. It has this idea of living. It also has this idea of lasting and, and this idea of, lifting or growing. Now, I don't know about you, but I definitely want to be living for the Lord. I I want to live my life for the Lord and do what He calls me to do. And and I want to have a lasting legacy for my family and, and those I come in contact with that they also come to know the Lord. But most importantly, I want to make sure I'm lifting Him up in everything I do. I want to make my life be so much about Him that people see Him in me that everything I do is about Him, that I lift people up for Him, and that everything I do is for Him. That's the kind of life I want. You notice I said that's the kind of life I want because I still fail on a daily basis. I'm better at it today than I was yesterday, and hopefully tomorrow I'm going to be better than I was today, but but I still want to get better at it. And you know, I've, I've read and I've seen You know, I'm at that age, I remember seeing and being at Billy Graham revivals, Billy Graham crusades. I remember Lockhart Stadium down in Fort Lauderdale, the place was packed. Unbelievable message. All these people getting saved. I've seen, I've heard of where they've had revivals and just a couple people got saved. And, you know, it's a good thing. One person getting saved is a blessing. One soul is is what it's all about, one at a time. But I think sometimes then we miss that because as we'll do this revival and and we'll be looking and we, oh, man, we we only got one person saved. And, And we'll kind of look down, well oh, it wasn't a good revival. Guess what? One person got saved. That's what it's all about. And guess what? Even if no one got saved but you planted the seeds of Jesus, you did your, what you're called to do. But we will worry about a number. We'll worry about everything else instead of worrying about him. And, and when we start worrying about, oh, it was only one person, not 100 people, we, we're starting to look at what we did instead of what he did. So it comes down to this heart issue. And it comes down to having the wrong passion. Our passion should always be for Him and not for ourselves. And and as we're looking at this revival, I think that's what you see is that passion's renewed inside of you. Every one of us had a passion the first day we met Jesus. And somewhere along the line, we've lost that passion. When we first accept Jesus, man, you want to tell everybody, you go, and you, man, I accepted Jesus, I was baptized, it was amazing, everything was going, it was just amazing, and then life gets in the way, and then you kind of lose that passion. Revival brings that passion back inside of you, and each one of us should seek to have that passion back inside of us, and you think about why a relationship should be passionate, And I ask myself all the time, when Jesus looks down on me, does he see me being passionate about him? Because passion is required in relationships. If I didn't have passion for my wife, I'm sure she'd be wondering, what's wrong? If you don't have passion for your husband, you don't have passion for your wife or your significant other, they're going to wonder, why are they in this relationship? And I often ask myself, does Jesus see the passion I have for him? Or does he look at it as, I've lost it. I've lost my passion. And I don't ever want him to look down at me and see that I've lost my passion. Just like I'd never want my wife to look at me and think I've lost my passion for her. Relationships require that compassion and and. You know, a lot of churches today you see are dying because they have no passion in the church. It's just something they do every single Sunday. Revival is a personal matter between you and the Lord. Psalm 51.12 says, Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. See, I think a lot of us have lost our joy. And we're not taking that time to pray and and ask him for that joy of the day of our salvation to remember that joy and keep that joy going. And then for some of us, we need to ask for that willing spirit because some of us coming to church seems like a burden. Oh, I got to go to church. Can't I just watch online? You mean I got to get up and actually put pants on to go to church? If coming to church is a burden, you need to be revived. If coming to church is a burden, you need to look at where your focus is at. Because coming to church to worship the Lord should never be a burden on anybody. And if you're feeling burdened coming to church, check your relationship with Jesus. Where is your passion? And work on that passion and get that passion restored through Him. Because true revival... If you're truly seeking him, that revival will change your joy and it will change your passion. And notice I said it will change yours. And then when it changes yours, guess what? It will affect the people around you because revival also renews the people. In the scripture, he said, not that he could rejoice again, but the scripture said that your people may rejoice. I want to see people rejoice. Not just me. I'd like to see everyone in this room, everyone online, everyone in the town of Lantana just rejoicing in the Lord and everything He has done in their life. But sometimes I think we forget about the rejoicing. We we forget about everything the Lord's done in our life. and, And we kind of look at our life and we're like, you know, my life ain't going real good. Man, I'm in this dryness. I got all this stuff going on between my job and and I got all this family issues and and I got all this stuff that's just sucking the joy right out of me. And and you're like, I I just don't understand it. As you get that joy back and you pray about getting that joy and, and as you remember and you get that passion back inside of you and it starts to change you, All those things that are sucking the joy out of your life are going to see you're different. And when they see you're different, they see that joy in your life is going to affect them and it's going to change them. And as you're rejoicing in every single day of your life, people are going to notice. And, And as much as I enjoy individual rejoicing, I want to see corporate rejoicing. I want to see when the body of Jesus Christ comes together and actually rejoices in the Lord and everything he has done in their life. I look back at my life and let me tell you, if He the only thing he ever did was save me, I'm going to rejoice in that. Because now, because He died on the cross for me, I get to, and I've accepted Him, I get to live in heaven with Him forever. He affected my eternity because He loved me that much. He could do nothing else in my life for me, and that's still reason to praise and rejoice in him. And I think sometimes we forget that. Oh, well, God didn't show up. I really needed to to make this bill, and I've been sitting on my couch waiting for him to supply it. Think about it. He supplies for you each and every day. It requires us to have action in order to do it. And we will not rejoice in doing it because we start thinking about ourselves and we think that he is not in our life. We as Christians should all be united by that same goal as as we look to be filled with the compassion that Jesus had. One attribute that Jesus had that most of us miss is compassion. He had compassion for everyone he came in contact with. It didn't matter if they were a Samaritan. It didn't matter who they were. Jesus had compassion on everybody. We need to do the same. Have that same compassion that Jesus had for us, for everyone that we come in contact with. Guess what? That means someone you may not even like. Have compassion. If you're going to truly be like Jesus and be Jesus with skin on, and you're going to have that passion, you want revival, you've got to have compassion In order to move forward. Don't be content with barely getting by spiritually. Dig in. Do what he called you to do. And get that renewed sense of urgency and commitment inside your life. See our our worship of the Lord should be better. Our, Our lives could be that much more richer. We could actually live abundantly in Christ. And most of us aren't living abundantly in Christ because we've tasted the world. And and instead of tasting the world and saying, hey, that's not good, some of us have tasted the world and kind of like it. And and so we have, you know, one foot in the world and one foot in church. And and we're trying to live on this edge in between the two. And and we're missing the blessings from God. We, We need to seek Him with everything and understand about our hearts, and understand that we need that revival. And Psalm 51 said, 10 says, God create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit in me. I read, read a quote that said this, the heart of many problems is a problem of the heart. Let me say that again. The heart of many problems is a problem of the heart. So many of the problems we have in our life, come from our own heart it's a problem with our own heart whatever it may be and and you know I've in the past we've talked about the fruits of the spirit and, and the fruits of the world see some of us have the fruits of the world inside of us because we haven't gotten or renewed gotten that new heart we're still living with that one foot in the world so so we're having this judgmental attitude or we're having this me myself I attitude and, and we're Instead of showing love and peace and kindness, we're showing hate and discontent. And not only to our family and friends, but to our fellow Christians. To all the people in our lives. And and if we're going to actually pray to the Lord to clean your heart and renew the spirit inside of you, that's going to start that revival. That's going to start that revision inside of you. And, And true revival will remove hurt, anger, and bitterness inside your life. It will take all of those fruits of the world out and replace it with the fruits of the Spirit so that you can continue to move forward. True revival can provide all of that. And you think about true revival if you look at the early church, Acts 2, 42 through 47. Let's look at how the early church revived together. It says... and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, notice that says every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. That should be our passion. That should be who we are and what we do. We also see that as we look at revival, I think it reveals a purpose, or it reveals a purpose to each one of us. Um, The psalmist desired to rejoice in the Lord, wanted to rejoice in everything, and he longed to praise God in everything that he did. When's the last time you praised God in everything you did and everything he's done for you? He personally desired not only himself, but that all the people rejoice. You see, revival, just like salvation, is a personal thing. It starts with you, but it affects those around you. It can affect and make changes in other people's lives just by you having the heart God called you to have. If you're truly seeking him, if you're truly rejoicing in the Lord, it's going to affect the people around you. And I think many people today have lost sight of that purpose, have lost sight of what we're called to do. You know, I've witnessed people through all the years um, at a church service, worship starts, and people are standing talking. Prayer's happening, and they're standing and talking. I've seen people inside church where they just look like they got this mean mug on their face, kind of like, oh, I'm here. Let's get it over with. This is the house of the Lord. We come here to worship Him. We don't come here to worship anyone else. We come here to worship the Lord. And when I come into the Father's house, I come prepared to worship Him. If if I got someone to talk to, if I got things to do, guess what? I'll get here a little earlier. Well, I'll stay a little late. And and trust me, I've seen it in mega churches. Let me tell you, my my previous church, 10,000 people a weekend. Worship starts, and you look around, and you got little holy huddles going on of people talking. And all it's doing is disrupting the people around them. Because as the people around them are trying to worship, they can't worship because of a group of people. And it happens all the time. Different churches I watch online as I try and refill myself. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting when you can see part of the crowd and you can see worship going on, but you got people over here talking or people over here talking. It, it happens all the time. And it really makes me wonder, why are people coming to church? Are you coming to church just for an hour and 15 minutes a social hour? Oh, I get to go hang out with my friends for an hour and 15 minutes? Guess what? Go out to lunch afterwards. You can hang out for more than an hour and 15 minutes. Or is the hour and 15 minutes the only time you got? I ain't got no more time. I got stuff to do. I'll come to church. I'll hang out with my friends and then I leave because then I got other stuff to do. When you come in here, the person you should want to hang out with is Jesus. You should want to come in here. You should want to worship him. Have a passion. Have a desire to seek him and him alone. That's what church is for. That's what we come here for. That's why it's called the Father's house. It's not called Pastor Ken's house. It's called the Father's house. It's called the Father's house for a reason because this is his. This is his sanctuary. This is where we come to worship the Lord. Now, granted, we can worship the Lord every place we're at during the week, and we should worship the Lord every place we're at during the week, but as the Word says, they did not stop meeting together. So that time when we come to meet together, we're coming to do what? Worship the Lord. So make sure you're focused on that. You're focused on worshiping the Lord. that, That people will recognize you for being a Jesus worshiper. Not a Jesus freak, but a Jesus worshiper. I truly believe that if a church isn't magnifying the Lord, we're missing the mark. Our total focus should be on him and magnifying him. And my desire is that people would recognize this church, this little tiny speck in the big picture of everything, that they would recognize FBC Lantana as a place where they could feel the presence of God. Where people came in here and they knew the presence of God was here, I want a community to know that we're a congregation that desires to see souls saved, that desires to see people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, and anytime someone walks into this congregation, I want them to feel known, noticed, and loved by everybody. Not just 20% of people doing 80% of the work. If a new person comes in this church, they should feel known, noticed, and loved. They should feel that people really wanted to know who they were, People noticed who they were and that they would love the same way that Jesus loves us. That's how someone should feel. That's how each of us should feel coming in here also. Each one of us, even if you've been coming to this church since 1963 when it started, you should feel known, noticed, and loved when you come into the church. Not loved the way we love Jesus, but loved. And remember that we all come here with one common goal and one focus. To worship him. To worship him and do what he calls us to do. You see, the enemy's done really well at splitting up the church. At having people forget what they've come to church for. See, because many people come to church for their own personal reasons. I'm here for the music. I'm here for the preaching. I'm here to see my friends. How about saying, I'm here to worship the Lord. Make that your total focus when you come to church. Come here to worship the Lord. Because if you come here to worship Him, it's going to change your heart. Your heart's going to get that revision. You're going to have that revival in your heart. And if everyone in here, imagine that. Imagine if everyone in here actually came here to worship the Lord with their whole heart. What kind of worship will we have? That would be pretty intense, wouldn't it? Would we feel the presence of God? Oh, yes, you would. Would people coming into here feel no notice and loved? Oh, yes, they would. And they would feel the presence of the Holy Spirit moving around this room. They would feel it would be more than a ripple. It would be a wave. And it would affect more than just the people in this room because when you left here, it would affect every place you went. Because if you were about His business, about His kingdom, about doing what He called you to do, and you had that revival in your own heart, man, you'd want to pass it on. But we just come here. Good sermon. See y'all next week. Don't even get involved in life groups. Our, Our life should be focused on Him. If we want revival... If you want to see these pews filled again to where there's standing room only, have to pull out chairs in the back, look at yourself first and ask yourself, do you really want that? Do you really want to see the church full, or is it just lip service? I remember when. Well, I know what our God can still do. Our God is still on the throne. Our God is still controlling what happens on this earth. Our God is still the one that we seek to worship each and every day. He is our creator. He is everything to us. He sent his son to die on a cross because of each one of us. He deserves everything from us. And we need to seek that revival in his heart. 1 Chronicles 16, 29 says, Ascribe to the Lord... The glory of his name, bring an offering and come before him, worship the Lord in splendor, in the splendor of his holiness. Let me tell you, our nation needs a revival. Our nation, I think everyone would agree, we need a revival. I think this church is in need of a revival. I think the town of Lantana is in need of a revival. I think people in this room right here are in need of a revival. Because remember, the revival starts in your own hearts. It starts with us. We need a move of God among us to stir our hearts for Him. We need to be seeking Him in all that we do. Not just playing Christian. Not just, oh, I'm a Christ follower. But actually doing what His Word calls us to do. Be the person Jesus called you to do. Imagine the difference we could make. Every great revival that you've ever heard of started someplace. Let's let the next great revival start right here in this church. Because it can start right here in each of your hearts. And if each one of us have a revival inside of us, imagine the difference we can make in this world. Because revival starts in each of our hearts. And revival is not about a big tent. Revival serves as a time to challenge us. Challenge each of us as individuals in our walk with Him. And we should be challenged each and every day with our walk with Him. And our desire to serve Him should be that much more. That's what revival will bring. See, the Old Testament is where it started. 14 of the 16 times, revive is in the Old Testament. Because they saw the splendor of God. They always looked back and remembered what God had done. We need to do the same. Need to look back and see what God has done in our life, what God has done within this church and this community. And if we want it back, it starts with each of you. So you got to ask yourself, do you really want revival? Do you really want to see revival in this town? Do you really want to see revival in, in the United States? Well, if you really want to see revival, look at yourself. And ask yourself, what am I doing to start a revival? Is my heart where it should be? And if it's not, God revive me. God start a revival inside of me. And start with yourself first. And if all of us do that, we'll see revival. And of course, if you want revival in your heart, you've got to first know Jesus. And maybe you're sitting here and saying, Pastor, that's great, and I do want that revival, but, but I don't know Jesus the way you do. But let me tell you, He knows you. He knows every hair on your head. He knit you in your mother's womb. In our life, we go through all these different storms and trials, and, and you may be saying, but Pastor, my life is messed up. He'd never accept me. Well, i got good news for you. God's Word says we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. So if you look to your left or your right, the person sitting next to you or across from you, in front of you, guess what? They're a sinner just like you. Now, all of our sins may be different, but all of us are sinners and all of us fall short of the glory of God, including myself. But yet God showed His love for us that yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So think about all those sins you've done in your life, Jesus died for them. The sin you did this morning coming to church, Christ died for that. The sin you're going to do when you leave church throughout this week, He died for that too because He loved you that much. Now it doesn't mean we should just continue to go on sinning. It requires us to to ask for that repentance and turn from our ways and and move forward and and get better. And and it all starts by, it says, in God's word, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So see, that's where it starts. Now the difference once you say a prayer and you, you ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you've changed but guess what your environment that you come from is still the same if they're alcoholics druggies thieves crooks whatever they may be they're still going to be the same thing and it's still going to be part of your nature that you've got to work on now we will tell you God has the ability to you come up you accept Jesus bam all of a sudden you know you're not drinking no more you're not smoking you're not doing whatever you were doing But for most of us, it's a process. We accept the Lord and we try and do what we're supposed to do, and then we fail, and then we try some more, and then we fail. But each time we last a little longer, and we keep praying for that strength. Lord, give me the strength to to get past this sin. Give me the strength to repent because repenting is turning away from it. And so many times in our life, we say, that's it. I repent of this sin. I, we turn away from it. And we take about three steps. And then we kind of walk back to it. Kind of like fishing. You cast it to the Lord and you reel it back in. Sometimes you got to throw the whole fishing pole. And it's not always easy. I know that. But He is there And maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, well, Pastor, that's real good, but you know, I I don't know about this whole revival thing. I just want to come and do my time. I want to check off my list that I've been to church. That's on you. If you want to see revival and you want to see this land healed, and you want to see a church make a difference in the world it starts with you it starts with you. Heavenly Father we come to here today and Lord as we we seek to be revived ourselves. Lord may we truly seek you. may we come to you in prayer, may we have a passion. Have that passion of the day we accepted you as our Lord and Savior. And Lord, may we be bold. And may we truly ask you to revive our hearts. Because Lord, that's where revival starts. No one in this room can do a revival. Revival starts with you. And Lord, we ask that you give us that revival. Revival in our hearts. That we can affect change not only in ourselves, but then we can affect change in our lives. And as we affect change in our lives, we can affect change in this world. And as people see our passion for you, Lord, they'll want to know what it is. And Lord, then we can tell them about you. I can truly say, let me tell you about my Jesus and what you've done in our lives. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, whether they're in this room or joining us on church online, Lord, I ask that you have the Holy Spirit move in their life, that they will make that move to accept you today as their personal Lord and Savior. And Lord, if there's anyone sitting here who still don't want revive, change your heart, Lord that they will seek you and want to see revival in their own lives, in their relationship with you first. And make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to